0: You're listening to Managing Leadership Anxiety, Yours and Theirs, a podcast offered in partnership with Missio Alliance. Each episode, we discuss internal and relational
1: pressures, how they block effective leadership, and how we can move through them to a greater health. And now your host, Steve Kutz. All right, friends. Hey, I'm really excited today. Our guest is Dr. Steve Brown. And uh, Steve, among many other things, is the president of Arrow Leadership. I'm sure most of my listeners are very aware of Leighton Ford, legendary uh, evangelist. And and Leighton Ford got Arrow Leadership started 30 years ago. And Steve is now the president of it. Steve's also the author of this fantastic book called Jesus Centered, focusing on Jesus in a distracted world. And uh, that's really the heart of Arrow Leadership. It's all about helping Christians who are leading something. doesn't mean they're necessarily church leaders. Maybe they're marketplace leaders you know, how easily we get distracted and how simply we need to focus on Jesus. So uh, what I want to start with is just a story from my own life, Steve, and then I'm going to ask you to respond to it. I remember in 2001, I was a brand new associate pastor at Central Christian Church in Las Vegas, Gene Apple at the time. Shout out to Gene, uh, was the lead pastor, phenomenal human being. September 11th happened. I'd been on staff, I think, six weeks, something like that. And Gene uh, was out of town, the teaching pastor was out of town, and somebody had to lead the uh, prayer experience for for September 11th. And so I was tapped to do it. And what really struck me, because I was pretty nervous about it, I'd never led something that big. What struck me as I was seeking the Lord is like, man, there are people who were dealing with things before the the Twin Towers fell, but we've all forgotten those people because of the magnitude of the Twin Towers. As Steve and I were corresponding before this show, of course, we were talking about COVID, but Steve was just sharing that he and his wife had their own journey, separate from COVID, uh, that they've had quite a battle. So Steve, let's start there. Tell us about what's been going on with you and your wife and uh, where things are at now.
0: Thanks, Steve. So good to be part of the podcast. Um, January of 2020, I, I turned into you know 2020 thinking you know I had my plans and my goals and, and all the rest going full speed. And I was in Phoenix in January and got a call from my wife at home in Vancouver, and she said, um, the test has come back, and there's, there's lots of concerns about it. And what she had a, a mammogram and a follow-up, and there's concern about breast cancer. And that just got me, obviously, as any, it would anybody. And I jumped on a plane the next morning, got home, and we started this journey through the, the medical gauntlet. And, uh, you know, test and kind of felt like I was on this assembly belt with my wife going through all these different tests. And it came back. Yes, it indeed was uh, breast cancer. And that led in March to uh, mastectomy. This is just kind of as all the news about COVID was starting to, to roll out. And we're, you know, going through a mastectomy. And then as COVID was kind of hitting hard, we went through a summer of chemotherapy, a uh, fall of 25 rounds of radiation um, so that was our 2020 uh, on a personal note and in the meantime um, I'm trying to lead a Christian ministry a nonprofit uh, that's that's based on gathering people together across borders and um, as well as my family as well as you know just my own space as a husband and yeah it was a challenge to say the least.
1: Well, and this is the thing, Steve, is obviously, you know, you lead an organization, you coach leaders, you're a leader yourself. My experience with leaders is we're often poor at taking seriously self-care. It's like, I don't know if it's a combination. I don't think it's an arrogance thing as I've worked with a lot of leaders. I think it's a combination of I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, which imputes to us this idea that I have unlimited capacity and then I think it's also just that we're like selfless and we focus on others. Um, how did you and Lee know when you needed to take care of yourselves? Um, what, what were your signals that you needed to stop output and, and take care of more input?
0: Yeah, I'm an introvert and a thinker. So I'm a, I'm a processor and I need space to process. So one helpful thing for me was, was journaling uh. um and just being able to kind of get out what was going on and i remember the morning we were set to go and hear their test results and um i've just felt the weight of the world this is just surreal it's crazy it's overwhelming and thinking about sitting in that room and what's going to happen what are we going to hear how's that going to change everything or not and um the lord was uh gracious in a couple different ways um One, he gave me a verse, so Psalm 16, verse 8, which um, says, David's speaking, and he goes, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And that got me thinking as I thought about that verse, because I keep my eyes always on the Lord. If my eyes are on him and he's at my right hand, then I'm actually not looking forward anymore. Hmm. I'm actually looking at him at my right hand. And if I do that, I won't be shaken. And my tendency is always to look ahead. You know, what's what's coming and how do I, you know, navigate? Yeah. How do I? And this kind of brought me to uh, the Lord can look ahead and he can deal with the wind and the waves. But I need to kind of keep my eyes peeled to him and easier said than done. But um, that was one piece that's been helped with. I put the verse up and memorized it and kept saying it. Um, that was one key for me.
1: Yeah. And then of course, cancer has its own agenda. It doesn't really care what your schedule is or what your plans were. It it shows up and does its own thing. Um, Who cared for you guys in this situation?
0: Yeah, I asked. Um, uh, Lee and I have uh, often been private people and kind of you know, you always have that, do I lean into community or do I lean out of community? And probably yeah. my, my, my gut reaction, my default is probably to lean out of it. Just keep it private, keep it inside. And I, in this one, it was like, actually, we got to lean in here, even though it might not be comfortable for us. And um, leaning in was hard and a blessing. I asked my board, I said, I need somebody from the board to call me every month mm. and ask me how I'm doing. And they were delighted to be asked and were faithful in calling. And I just, I didn't want to leave them guessing like, is Steve okay or not okay? And should we do something? I just said, I need you, somebody got to check in on me because I'm not sure what's going to happen to me here. And, um, so just asking people sometimes for help, uh, some people, you know, faithful people praying. And we were blessed by the, um, blessed by the, the community of God in many different ways. And, um, at the same time, I'd say that a chronic illness, things get quieter over time. So a crisis kind of gets people's attention, gets people's engagement. Yeah. But when you're dealing with something that's chronic, meaning over months or even years, it gets quieter over time because yeah. people have, they can't keep up the same level of, you know, interest or engagement or activity because they got their own lives. Yet, you know, the person's still in the midst of the same challenge. So that actually helped me to kind of go, I bet I've been quiet for people in chronic spaces when I should have maybe just kept reaching out.
1: Oh, it's a really valuable point. Actually, as I'm hearing you, Steve, it's making me think of a previous guest, uh, Amy Patrick came on and she taught us about grief. Uh, A very similar idea that there's this wave of response and then then you kind of know who your deep friends are. And when she was saying that, she wasn't saying it accusingly just that it it, it shows who's, who's there in the long haul. I, I would like to just take the occasion to ask you a couple of questions about this. And then I, I really want to get into your coaching because Steve, you have your finger on the pulse of what leaders are facing right now, You know, two years post COVID. But before we pivot to that, the two areas I'd love to explore with you, uh, what was most helpful to you and Lee when people would respond when they first heard the news? What was most helpful? What did some, and then the second question would be, what did someone do well meaning that was not helpful? Uh, because I, I think, uh, you know, this, Steve, I'm famous for my convoluted question. So I apologize right now. But I think most leaders are so prone to action. We're not always aware how to simply be with somebody because we want to act. We want to shrink their problem down and fix it. We want to make it better. So what was most helpful? And then what something, even if it was well meaning, was not as helpful for you guys?
0: Yeah, I've, I've had a couple buddies who uh, we've been in a small group together, a triad for um, coming up on 20 years. Every uh, quarter we connect, uh, usually because we're across the, the country. And so it's by Zoom and we spend a couple hours together. And um, those guys uh, just being faithful in terms of checking in, uh, random check-ins, you know, what's, what's going on today was a huge gift. Yeah. Sometimes those random, random check-ins, those, you know, praying for you today, or here's a verse today, or what, how are you doing today? We, we wonder, should I, or shouldn't I? And yeah. I was just glad that they, they did it. And uh, some days I was doing good and some days not. And then in terms of the maybe not so helpful side, which wasn't a huge thing and it well intended, um, but yeah. might be just, you know, medical advice. <laughs> um and um yes. you know,
1: you should we've all become cancer experts all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Um so that's you know, everyone want to be helpful, but um and some people are pounding the drum of a certain, you know, fabulous diet that's gonna fix everything or, or a doctor that's got it all figured out. Um yeah, so sometimes that's can be can be odd or hard.
1: That's really helpful. To, I'm, I'm really glad you, because it's uncomfortable to talk about this, right? When people are well-meaning, you want to honor their intent. Mm-hmm. But I, I think those of us who, our heart is genuinely to help. So I do like to ask these questions so we can simply give people ways they can be helpful. Are you suggesting, for example, did you ever hear from someone that they had a friend who had a friend who, like it was so disconnected, but they're, they're certain about the solution?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, well-intended and but at the same time, I'm kind of exhausted trying to deal with what's inside me, guide my wife, guide my kids. Like we had family meetings. I've got teenagers and like I, I hosted a couple family meetings where I got takeout food and and we had kind of a fun meal, but the content of the meal was not going to be fun. And you're wondering how serious am I going to get with the kids about where this could go and and how just cause they're dealing with COVID as well. Like they're, right. you know they've lost a lot of stuff and now mom's sick and what's that mean? And they don't really know what cancer is because it hasn't hit anybody else in her family. Um, so there's, and then uh, the work stuff, there's a level of uh, exhaustion for people I think that are in the midst of navigating something like this too.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thanks for that. I, I, I really appreciate that we're starting on this because I do think for all leaders, we're humans first and human things happen to us. But I think we have such expectation about ourselves that that when we get knocked for a, a, a six like this, we really struggle. So let's pivot, Steve, and talk about your coaching. You know, you're the president of Arrow Leadership. It's a coaching organization. It's also a cohort organization. We've mentioned many times on this podcast that whether it's coaching, spiritual direction, or therapy, I think every leader needs some combination of those. Tell us about your particular emphasis at Arrow.
0: Yeah, our heartbeat is developing Jesus-centered leaders. And you break that down, leaders who are led more by Jesus, who lead more like Jesus, and who lead more to Jesus. So there's that, you know, led more by is the deep connection uh, as a child of God and in relationship with God that you hear his voice and follow after him. And then leading more like Jesus is the character and competencies of leadership, and then leading more to Jesus, that we're about God's kingdom agenda, kingdom purposes, and evangelism, and sharing our faith, and living out justice, and all those kinds of things. So that's our heartbeat, and we do that through a flagship program called the Arrow Leadership Program, where we gather leaders together and journey with them over 15 months or so. And then we also do it through uh, resources and services like coaching and consulting and small groups, those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, and so some of the people you lead are, are local church pastors. In, in my experience, sometimes the, the uh, leading to Jesus, sometimes it's easier for us to tell others about Jesus than connect with Jesus ourselves. Like I, I found that ministry was actually um, an extra roadblock in my connection with God. What, what's your take on that?
0: I remember as a pastor myself going to a spiritual retreat, and the facilitator. Uh, pulled out this picture, and it was a picture of the Last Supper, and it was a very um, busy picture of the Last Supper. Because my default Last Supper picture is, is you know, there's 12 men facing the camera with Jesus in the center. It's kind of like a, a football team picture or something. This picture that he showed had you know a lot of people in the room. There was a, a Holy Spirit thing going on up in one corner, an angelic thing in another corner. There were children and women in the room, and he asked the question. Where would you be in this picture? And the idea was, you know, would you be kind of right beside Jesus? Would you be off in a corner kind of wondering, you know, is this safe or is this okay? And as I reflected, I recognized that I wasn't even in the room. I was outside. And why was I outside in my mind, in my imagination? Because I was getting stuff ready for Jesus to do next. And I was, in a sense, missing the opportunity, the intimacy with Jesus, because of the work of being a pastor. And I, I think that's a more common deal than um most most of us would like to admit.
1: Yeah, I, I also think there's something about the employee child challenge with our identity. You know, we're God's child, we're also God's we're in the family business, if you will. We work for dad. What what are you seeing nowadays with pastors now that we're a couple of years past COVID? What kind of unique challenges are you seeing? pastor's face and then i'd like to ask about the broader christian leadership community
0: yeah i mean on the on the family business thing um i my primary image of god was seeing him as king and me as servant and that's you know orthodox and biblical and yeah it's true and, and it, it it preaches yeah <laughs> but i w- but i was missing seeing god primarily first and foremost as father and me as child yeah and I remember, you know, there's this great quote by Oz Guinness that we're called, uh, first and foremost, not to something or to somewhere, but to someone. And um, I was so focused on the something and the somewhere that I was missing my first calling to someone. But to your, to your question about what I'm seeing, um, it has been, you know, it's an under, understatement to say challenging. Um, com- complexity, like I've never seen it, uh, challenges like I've never experienced or seen, crisis. I was talking with one pastor and he said, you know, I was trained for for Sundays and, you know, preaching, teaching, discipling, making a service happen, shepherding people. And he said, right now there's expectations on me that I'm a climate change specialist, a race relations bridge builder, a sexual ethics prof., um, that I am a, a TV producer in in terms of being able to produce Sundays online now. I'm a homeschool teacher because I got kids underfoot during COVID. Um, I'm you know, and the list just kept going. And he goes, and Sundays still a coming. And with those expectations, with that weight, um, there's a lot of exhausted, tired pastors um, through this last two years. They're, you know, been a conflict mediator trying to uh, separate, you know, the the sheep who are supposed to love one another. And um, they're a rule enforcer, have been, um, and they've been a government lobbyist um, at times. And that's a lot to just add into the mix. Um, And the complexity level has just gone through the roof, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And then what are you seeing in marketplace leadership? Obviously, you're also doing a lot of coaching in workplace what what challenges are you running into there?
0: Yeah, so again, um, uh, the tables have, have got turned upside down in a sense of, you know, we're going to send everybody home. And how do I keep, for some, how do I care for these families that I care about and when the income might be much different than it was? How do I communicate with a dispersed team? How do I care for people who are going through their own stuff in the midst of the COVID journey at home? And I can't necessarily see them and eyeball kind of, are they doing okay or not? Uh, Some businesses actually took off uh, in terms of growth. Right, right. And um, uh, so then it's like, how do we manage growth? How do we scale in this, you know, crazy space? So there are both sides of deep uh, challenges of decline and then also significant challenges and opportunities of growth. So, um, and then how do we now, do we bring people back? Are we now a remote uh, organization? How does, you know, what are we going to keep? What are we going to let go of uh, going forward?
1: Yeah. Steve, one of the things you write about is the, the idea of safe community versus soft community. I thought that was a really helpful distinction. Would you flesh that out for us?
0: Yeah. I think all of us long for safe community, a place where we can ask questions. We can, maybe that we wouldn't ask anywhere else, didn't, wouldn't mm-hmm. feel safe to ask anywhere else, to, to really share how we're doing inside. So for a pastor, for instance, a pastor can't necessarily be fully authentic with their elder board uh, or their even their staff at times. And maybe they can't process a dream out loud. Hmm. Where does the go-to go to? You know, a lot of people are going to the leader, but where does the leader go to? And And I think leaders long for a safe place where they can be real, be authentic, ask questions, say things in an imperfect way, dream things that may be crazy, but that it's not a a soft place. So it's safe, but not soft. So it it needs to be a place that's like iron sharpening iron, where we're fully accepted, but at the same time, there's a desire to help us be more like Christ, if, if you're a person of faith. And so creating those spaces is really the heart of Arrow, and I think just a deep need for, for leaders.
1: Yeah, another thing you write about is, is you really bring out the Old Testament command to remember. And of course, in the Old Testament, remembering often came with building something. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that.
0: Yeah, in the Old Testament days, when God did something amazing, they would name the place so that they would remember every time that name was said what God had done. Or they would build an, an altar or a pile of rocks up so that when people would walk by, they'd go, why is that big pile of rocks there? And then somebody else would say, well, let me tell you the story. And those faith markers, which are so important in Old Testament days, aren't necessarily something we carried on, you know, today. And I think forgetting what God has done is so easy to do. You know, the Old Testament's almost a catalog of forgetfulness on, the, on, the, on behalf of God's people. Right. And we all need to keep remembering, like, how has God been faithful? Because if he's been faithful in the past, that should mean that he's going to be faithful today, maybe in not ways that I can fully see or or always kind of connect the dots to, but he's, he's still faithful. And as an organizational leader, I've had to remember some of those things myself for my own leadership, but also to pass those on to new team members. So I, one, one story, um, we were uh, in a, financial pinch and uh, we had a day of prayer. And that day, this is like 10 years ago, that day unsolicited, we didn't ask this donor to do this. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't even know we were praying. That day, the largest donation of the year came in. It was like a wow moment, right? Like nah. um, the the burden lifted. And I neglected to keep telling that story. And not that yeah. every, every time we have a prayer day is you know the biggest check of the year. It's not like a slot machine or whatever, right? But in a sense of God's provided for us in hard times. Um, we're we're searching for um, some key people to join our team. And I told the story um, recently, several years ago, uh, a guy just showed up at our office and said, "I saw this ad and I want I want to interview for the job." And that was the first guy who ever just like physically showed up usually like they sent an email or a, a letter in the mail or whatever this guy just like showed up out of the blue and again as we're kind of praying god bring the right person to our team i'm thinking about that story and the guy might not show up tomorrow out of the blue like he did last time but god was faithful in bringing us the right people at the right time in the past take a deep breath steve god's still faithful he still sees you he's still watching he's still providing
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that reminder, Steve, because, you know, as my listeners know, and as you know, I stepped away from 26 years of local church leadership in December. I'm still on staff at a local church, but my primary ministry now is speaking and and workshops and my online community. And just paying attention to my own soul, I'm in spiritual direction right now, that the idea of remembering has been life-saving to me. I've got my candle right here just out of camera to remind me of God's goodness, because what's going on in my life is I'm highly anxious about financial security. And then what happens is God provides, and then I move the target and get anxious again. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's like, oh, I, I was just thinking this morning, actually, before we did the podcast, I was really spending time just in gratitude to the Lord that basically my speaking calendar for the entire year of 2022 is now full. I've got two or three slots left, only if we can geographically coordinate them with other places, like it's gotten crazy. But it was only maybe a month ago that I was actually really freaking out that the back end of my calendar was wide open, like July Mm -hmm. to December. Now, January to July was chock full. But then I, so, so like God's provided but then I'd be like, well, but wait a minute, like July's coming and there's not much on the books for July to December. Well, now, only a matter of weeks later, that's now full. And here I am again saying, oh no, 2023 is looking empty. Like I'm playing an unfair game mm-hmm. against myself. And of course, I feel like it's a core violation of the goodness of God. And the most helpful thing for me is just to remember, like it wasn't that long ago you were worried about three months of bookings, and they're done. As you hear that as a coach, what's your feedback to me as a coach?
0: One thing I think that we need to do more of is celebrate, uh, because those, you know, celebration moments are moments that we also remember, and we give thanks to God. So in a sense, you know, your calendar is now packed out. You know, how, my question to you would be, how are you and your team going to celebrate that? Because oh. you guys took this huge step of faith, yeah, and I mean, it all didn't come together, you know, instantly, but it's... No, it's and it's,
1: still very much isn't. It's yeah. still very much wild. Yeah.
0: But it's like, maybe there's a celebration and it could be a dinner out. It could be something fun and creative and simple or, but just to put a stake in the ground and go, let's remember this because there might be times when the calendar is, you know, blank or, yeah. you know, or where there's something else going on. Let's just put a stake in the ground, celebrate in some way, thank the Lord and just... Uh, when I think about the Bible, it's, it's, um, if there were a subtitle, if I was a publishing, publishing a Bible, um, this, the subtitle I would come up with, I think would be trust me. Uh, Yeah. And, um, you know, a Holy Bible, trust me. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, and it'd be good too to, I'd also coach somebody to journal this journey because in a sense you're going to be working with other people who are starting something fresh Yeah, And two years from now, you might even forget what these months have been like. But if if it's in a journal there, you can kind of go back and go, yeah, I know I have experienced something like this.
1: Really helpful. I'm actually going to take you up on that challenge to put a stake in the ground and celebrate because it's all in my head right now. Uh, Chris, who works with me and basically keeps me sane with my schedule and logistics, she's it, we're in different states. Our whole connection is over Zoom, but we need to find a way for my wife and Chris and Paul to get together and to, to thank the Lord because it has been an incredible faith journey. And, and it reminds me of my old ways, Steve, when I was really grappling with doubt about God's presence. I, I found myself as a pastor, um, the momentum was moving me into deism unless I was careful. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a God, but God's not very involved kind of idea. And uh, it was the same challenge, Steve. Is like God would do this amazing thing. In the moment, I'd be exhilarated. And then over time, my mind would re-remember that amazing thing as explainable without God. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I'm back in that pattern. It, I, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it now. Is it a control thing? What mm-hmm. you know? It, it's definitely a fear thing. I know that. Um, but no, I appreciate that. I'm going to take you up on, on actually marking the moment with something tangible. I think that'd be really helpful.
0: One other thing that you can do is to think about the people who've been the great cloud of witnesses, whether it's like a long time ago, or, or as you process this particular, you know, faith step and even celebrate with them and thank them. And, and Mm. not that, you know, you've arrived and you're boasting, but at the same time, you know, you stood with me, you believed in me, thank you. And it's a way to bless other people hmm. and just help them to continue doing what they did with you with
1: other people. It's oh, really good. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll truly, I'll, I'll tackle both of those. Let's, let's do one more topic and then let's get onto the gauntlet. I know I can see even through the screen here, Steve, you've been putting off the gauntlet, I get it. A, a lesser man would be weeping by now and yet, and yet we progress. But before we get to the gauntlet, um, the the other theme that you coach on that you talk about is fatigue, self-care. My experience is leaders are often late to know when we're in fatigue. What are just maybe just two or three signs that you'd give us to help a leader wake up and say, okay, I'm fatigued right now?
0: Yeah, my world changes when I'm tired. Um, so my inside world uh, starts to go sideways and south when I'm, when I'm tired. A couple of things I'd say, if you're waking up, and still tired, then pay big attention to it, because uh, it's, it's like a car battery, um, and you may have heard this analogy before, but you can leave the lights on your car, and you go out and it doesn't start, and you ask the person that comes out in the parking lot, could you jump the battery for me, and, and they just put it on for like two seconds, and it turns on, and then you drive away. What happens um, when you leave the lights on, you know, and drain the battery down to zero, is that when you ask the person in the parking lot, can you jump the car, the battery's not going to going to jump. You actually need to take the battery to the, the garage and put a trickle feed on it, and it's going to take much longer to regenerate. So keeping short accounts with fatigue is really important. Otherwise, you're going to end up keeping long accounts with fatigue.
1: Mm.
0: And, you know, a lot of us have sleep challenges, um, you know, but I really encourage people to become students of sleep and, and intentional about sleep, not bringing work into your bedroom, um, not bringing machines into your bedroom, if at all possible, uh, having a sanctuary that's, uh, so I can go on about sleep for a long time. But in terms of other stuff, of what's, what's, what's fun on your calendar? Is there anything that's going to restore you? Any fun booked? Because if not, you're just in a sense in this grinding mode and it's going to come, come back on you. I remember, uh, hearing, uh, on another podcast about Central Park and, um, you know, Central Park's this incredible space. Um, it gives life to all of New York city, literally be through the, the trees, but also practically because you can, you know, sit and watch people. You can do any sport. You can go to the zoo, you can swim, you can do whatever. And the, the podcast guy, uh, Al Andrews, I think his name said a lot of New York, a lot of leaders are living like New Yorkers without a central park. Hmm. And um, a lot of leaders are living like New Yorkers without a central park. So we need to create this space. And you can see a drone shot of Central Park. You know, there's a crazy busy city around it, but there's this protected space. I remember uh, Colin Powell was asked, you know, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, secretary of defense in the states and and commanded a number of military operations around the world. And he was asked, what, what was the secret to you actually you know, commanding a war and all the decisions. And he told Rolling Stone magazine, Volvos.
1: Yes, that's right. He's he's one of the world's leading collectors of vintage Volvos.
0: Yeah. And he would have a Volvo towed to wherever he was, um, you know, commanding a war. And he'd do 18 hours of like nonstop life and death decisions, craziness. And then he'd go and tinker with a carburetor and a Volvo for a little bit. Yeah. And he said, I could clear my head. I could finish something and then I'd be renewed and able to go back and engage again. So all of us need those things. They're not a waste of time.
1: Yeah, I'm a bit of a Colin Powell nerd, I must say. The other thing I love about that story, because I'm also a motorhead and uh, not to get too particular, but I drive a Swedish wagon. So the (laughs) the general and I have much in common. Um, I I love it that oftentimes people would knock on the front door and ask for the general. His wife would answer and she's like, he's back. And they're looking for a part for their Volvo because he actually was one of the best uh, suppliers of vintage Volvo parts. Yeah. Who would have thought?
0: And, and a lot of times as leaders, we think, well, we don't have a time for, for that. I, I remember asking one guy, um, you know, what's your Volvo? Because I told, I told him this story. And he said, well, I don't have one. I'm too busy doing ministry stuff. Mm. And I said, well, what did you used to do that was fun and brought you life? And he said, well, I used to play the trumpet. Mm. I said, where's the trumpet? And he goes, bottom of a closet, dust all over the case, and I challenged him. I said, next time I see you six months from now, I want you to get out the, the trumpet and see what happens. And so I saw him six months later and, he, and I asked him, what, what about the trumpet? And this big smile came across his face and he said, uh, I'm in two bands right now,
1: Aww.
0: one at the church and one with folks who would never go to a church. And he goes, I feel more alive as a person and as a leader. So, yeah, what's your trumpet? What's your Volvo?
1: Well, folks, hey, here's the thing. We all know this is true, but very few of us do anything about it. Most of us believe falsehood that we can listen our way to change or we can read our way to change. And taking in information is essential, but it's just one of the steps. The other fallacy we run into is we believe that self-awareness alone will lead to transformation and listen, it won't. You have to walk a proven path. So there are many great proven paths. Actually, coaching is one of them, to submit yourself to coaching. But I just want to pause and tell you about Capable Life, which is my proven path. It's a path that I've been developing uh, for 10 years. I've put many people through it. We launched it last year, www.capablelife.me. It's an online community that the heart of it is 10-minute video tools with actionable things to do. Not only do you take in content and be self-aware, but then you actually embody it and try things. We have self-assessments. We have a confidential online community where you can ask any question. You could submit a case. We have monthly Zooms with coaches and uh, CapableLife.me. So if you're wanting deeper transformation, if you're wanting the freedom and the peace and the love that you uh, believe in, but struggle to encounter, we've built a path for you. CapableLife.me. It's $28 a month. You can join for a month, join for a year if you want to save some coin. We've got right now almost 500 members from 15 different countries in Capable Life. It's an incredible community, people just like you on the hunt for transformation, on the hunt for the love of God. So with that, Steve, let's get into the gauntlet. Probably just three questions today. The first one is, uh, most of us over time, we keep running into ourselves. You know, like we're like, oh, there, I did it again. Where, what would be an area of your life that if you could wave a magic wand to make it go away, uh, you would do it?
0: I think one for me would be ov- being overly responsible. Mm. And uh, so there's a, you know, uh, a good side to that in terms of, you know, somebody who's responsible, dependable, um, you know they're going to get it done. And then uh, my my shadow side to that is being overly responsible and blurring boundaries. And in a sense, sometimes either over contributing to something or uh, maybe taking away an opportunity for somebody else to contribute. Um, so that would be one where and, and me wearing the weight and the having the anxiety of that over responsibility.
1: Oh, I like that. Good. And then uh, we all carry our family of origin into our workplace, whether we want to or not. And it's never about blaming, but I'm just interested, what would be an asset that you've inherited from your family of origin? What might be a liability?
0: I kid my kids that I, I've put money away for their counseling after uh, having me as a, me as a parent, um, so when they're adults. Uh, so, so I get that. We can always point, point and pin things on our parents. Uh, one for me is um, uh, my mom uh, struggled uh, with alcoholism. Uh, mental illness, and prescription drug abuse. And when you put those three together, it's a bad cocktail. Um, She was wonderful in many respects, um, and I'm thankful she planted seeds of faith in me. Nonetheless, she struggled a lot, and uh, it was uh, lots of stories I could tell, but I remember being about 10 years old and with my older sister trying to hide the uh, bottle of booze in our house somewhere so that mom wouldn't find it and drink it and and then all the repercussions that would come from from that and as a 10 year old you're not supposed to do that Um, like you're, you're not supposed to be burdened with that i don't think and a lot of kids around the world are burdened with a lot of things maybe they shouldn't be burdened with they should be thinking about their next comic book or just enjoying uh stuff but that was a bit of my story and there are probably strengths that have come from that and then shadow side yeah so um, strength. I just talked about it. Steve's responsible. I was responsible at 10 to try and keep my mom sober in a sense. Yeah. And that's carried with me. Um, as, and, and as a strength, the, the downside I just talked about is, is over responsibility, the anxiety that comes boundary, you know, blurring. Uh, another one is that, um, another strength for me is I'm, I'm, people would describe me, most people as gentle, I was trying to be the peacemaker at home, to be gentle with mom, whatever could I could do to try and just make her happier and make uh, my dad okay in the midst of that. And so gentle, Steve, strength, shadow side is um, sometimes I should probably have a bit more of an edge to me and lean into conflict more. So I can see both strengths and some, some shadow sides that come just from the, the story of early years.
1: Mm, that's really good, Steve. Thank you very much. Yeah, and then the final question is: When in your life lately have you felt most fully and completely loved?
0: Uh, I'll take you to an Uber car ride. I was in Phoenix getting ready to go to our board meeting. I called an Uber, uh, got in the back, and um, there was Christian music playing in the Uber, which is is rare um, if you're an Uber person. And I didn't know whether I should ask the question, but I decided to. And I said, are you a person of faith to the, to the driver? And uh, he said, yeah, are you? And I said, uh, yeah, I am. And, and then he said, are you a pastor by any chance? And it, it was the easiest thing for me to say yes. So I said yes. And then he started to spill, like kind of life story. And, you know, I want to grow deeper with Jesus, but I can't right now. And my wife's in counseling right now. And we got family problems and I'm uber full time and it's hard. And, and then he said, would you pray for me? And when we stop, I'm going to kind of tell Uber I'm off for a few minutes. Would you pray for me? And I was like, totally. And I was just like feeling, you know, blessed by God to be able to pray for my Uber driver. And um, we got stopped and I prayed for him and like, God sees you. And I believe that God connected your need and me in the middle of a place. I'm not normally through Uber. And here we are. And God sees you. And Psalm 139, you can't get away from him. He's walking with you. I prayed the prayer, you know. And um, then my Uber driver said, can I pray for you? And I was just surprised by that because sometimes people don't like praying after a pastor prays. And I said, sure, I'd love for you to pray. And he prayed for me. It was nice and good and blessed. And I got into the hotel and I was like, huh. I had a flashback to when I got picked up by my Uber driver. I was in the desert and I'd written in my journal, God, I feel lonely I'm not really sure what's going on inside me right now, but would you reveal yourself to me in some way? And I started saying to myself, sensing God may be saying to me, Steve, you weren't just in the Uber for my Uber driver. My Uber driver was in the Uber for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which was like wonderfully mind blowing for me. And then, um, I asked, Uh, I sense God asking me the question, Steve, how come, you know, my Uber driver asked you to pray for him, but you didn't actually ask my Uber driver pray for you. Mm. And, um, it was my, my processing of that was, um, I was taken on the mantle of being the, the leader, being the minister, being the pastor, and not in a sense, sharing my needs and actually not being receptive to God, somehow actually meeting my needs and blessing me. So, the, the, the reminder for me just a couple weeks ago, Steve, God sees you, hmm. uh, was just another reminder of God's love for me.
1: Hmm. Yeah. My guest is Dr. Steve Brown. He's the president of Arrow Leadership, a coaching and consulting and cohort ministry for any leader, not just pastors, any Christian leader. Um, You can reach out to Steve. He's the author. His most recent book is The Wonderful Jesus Centered. You can get it wherever you buy your books. Dr. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast.
0: Thanks so much, Steve. And thanks to you and your team for being here at a time such as this for leaders. For more
1: resources, visit stevecuswords.com or missyoualliance.org.